0: You are listening to the podcast from Isaiah Church. Stay tuned to it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Thank you, Barnabas. Uh, what a blessing. He blesses me with his friendship for sure. Amen to introverts called to do extroverted things. We have community group at our house tonight too, so that's awesome. I actually love our community group. They're very kind and gentle with me. It is wonderful to be here with you today. I love sharing God's Word and more than that, um, if you're new to me, I love this church. I adore this church. I've been here for a long, long, long time since I was young and spry and um, it's a blessing to be a part of this community. This series we're doing right now, Zoe, is a deep dive into the promise Jesus made in John 10:10 to give us abundant life and so each week we're looking at the promise of abundant life a problem that kind of we must tension we have to work through to sort of experience that abundant life and a practice that can help us more fully enter into all God has for us raise your hand if you want to enter into all God has for you we're going to help you today so Let's get started in the word. Our our scripture reading today is from Matthew 26, 36 through 46. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he told the disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. Taking along Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, I am deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and stay awake with me. Going a little farther, he fell face down and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. He asked Peter, So, couldn't you stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time, he went away and prayed, my father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came again and found them sleeping because they could not keep their eyes open. After leaving them, he went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same thing once more. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, are you still sleeping and resting? See, the time is near. The son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners get up, let's go, see my betrayer is near. Amen. Okay, so when I chose this passage, I promise I did not even think about this being daylight savings time, and this is a passage about falling asleep. <laughs> Holy Spirit did that just special for us, a little Easter egg. Um, but really, here in Matthew 26, we witness Jesus at, I would arguably say, his most vulnerable human moment, and he turns to the disciples, right? And he highlights a tension that they're experiencing in that moment and that we all experience in our lives created by the fact that we are both body and soul. And Jesus says the spirit, which is also the Greek word pneuma, which also is translated as soul. So he's saying the soul, the soul is willing, but the body, the flesh is weak. Have you ever felt like that? Man, I want to, but I don't know if I can. Well, I feel like that really often when my husband brings me exciting news about Dallas sports franchises. I am there physically, right? Like, it seems like I'm present as he tells me the update. I know what he expects of me. Jesus made it clear, stay awake and pray. I know exactly what Morgan expects of me as he gives me the great news. I know he wants me to be overflowing with enthusiasm about a score, a game, watch the last, I need to want to watch the last play, right? Not just hear about it, I gotta wanna watch the video of it. I should be thrilled about the trade, it's very strategic trade. My soul wants to join the party. It's willing, it's just my flesh is a little weak. I can't quite get my body and soul motivated in the right direction to really give him the response he desires, which I do apologize for, wherever he is. No, he's down south right now. Uh, My soul is willing, but my body is weak in that moment, which is not a huge problem when you're talking about sports. That's a small thing, unless you're married to somebody like I am, but it's a small thing. But in your relationship with God, in following Jesus, it's a very big deal because the truth is, as Psalm 84 puts it, both our heart, soul, and body need God. Psalm 84 says, my soul yearns. It even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Both these parts of us need to experience the abundant life Jesus promised in order not to sort of capsize or drown out the other part. Our soul needs God, and our body needs God, and if only one part of us stays awake, we get into trouble. What can we do to fix this? How can we rightly manage the tension between these two parts of being very human in a way that allows the abundant life of Christ to flow through us? I wanna try to answer that question in three parts. We're gonna look at why we sleep, how we awaken, and why we awaken. Let's start with our sleepiness. Why, like the disciples, do our bodies and souls sometimes fall asleep even when we're in the middle of the most amazing things God is doing, right? Like this is a really amazing time in the story of the world and in God's story in the world. The Garden of Gethsemane is pretty much like real important and they're just snoozing away. (laughs) We fall asleep so easily, why? Well, I first of all want to say and acknowledge that sleep is really weird, if you think about it. The fact that every human on earth willingly lies down to become completely unconscious and vulnerable for seven, eight hours every single night of their life is mind-boggling. We're unproductive and unprotected while we're sleeping. Think of all the things we could get done. Think how productive you could be if you could use those hours, right? God, my house would be clean. Um, And think of all the horrible things that can happen while everybody in your house is sleeping. Or don't think about that because you may not be able to sleep tonight. At the same time, you guys, I love to sleep. I don't know about you. It's like, it's the best. It's the one time of the day where you get to actually escape every responsibility on your plate, right? Like, you just get to blissfully exist without having to worry about all your cares and all your problems. You unplug yourself completely. That's wonderful and beautiful unless you suffer from insomnia. I don't know about you, but I had one season in my life where I was unable to sleep for many, many months and all day long, as sort of bedtime was approaching, I would start to get anxious. Like, is it going to be another night where I can't sleep? And am I going to have to function tomorrow with no hours of sleep? Like, am I going to be awake all night again? And I would get really, really anxious and worried. And after a few months, it took me a while to talk to God about this, after a few months of not being able to sleep at all, spending my night sitting on the sofa, I finally started praying things like... Father God, Holy Spirit, baby Jesus, put me to sleep. You know, like really deep theological prayers. Um, Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? You get real desperate when you're sleep deprived. But in that, once I finally stopped complaining and whining, God began to speak to me and the Holy Spirit really started meeting me on that sofa. And I ended up really grateful for the time I had with God because what the Holy Spirit told me was, listen, Carrie, Your soul is asleep to what I'm trying to do in your life. I am aggravating you with sleeplessness to give you the opportunity to reconnect your heart with what I have for you. And so I began to discipline my body at night when I couldn't sleep, and I would spend time journaling, reading the Word, time in worship, trying to enter my body, have my body carry my soul into the presence of the Lord, in order to reconnect myself with what God wanted to do and heal and speak in my life. So it's, Jesus said, stay awake and pray. Stay awake, that was my life that time. Stay awake and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The soul is willing, but the body is weak. So I have a question for you today. How watchful are you over your body and your soul? I've found over the years that most people are a little more aware of what's going on in one or the other. We seem predisposed to hear the cries of our body for for its need for God or the cries of our soul for its need to God. What does that look like? Well, some of us, we really are cued into our body's need and connection to God. This means we probably tend to assume that what we do with our bodies, if we eat better, build better boundaries around our time, and generally take better care of our physical body, we'll be more able to connect with God, right? And generally, it just makes us awesome. These people get so much done. Through our choices, our actions, and our general responsible Christian behavior, we really do a lot for God, and we're connected to God in a very real and tangible way. In a lot of ways, conservative churches have validated this way of connecting your life to God. It's personal responsibility focused, okay? And it really works well until an outside force somehow creates pain or suffering in your life. And that, that outside force is not something your body is strong enough to overcome on its own. And so suddenly you hear your soul, the willingness of your soul, like, put me in coach, you know? and your soul's crying out, like, I can can do this. Let me do some of this work for you. And so you have to kind of quiet your body so you can hear your soul's ability to connect with God. Others of us are keener to the sound that our soul makes when it's crying out and yearning for God. We're full of longings and thoughts and deep ponderings about the spiritual world, what God is doing, the needs around us, the needs inside us. Compassion and curiosity, they drive us toward God as we seek spiritual knowledge and experiences that can satiate that deep yearning within us for God. This is all really good, except that sometimes we get so busy feeling and thinking all the things that we forget that obeying God in our bodies is part of how we honor Him in the world. Generally speaking, liberal churches get this really right. They support this way of navigating the spiritual life. When this happens, there's a focus on lamenting and meeting the needs in the world created by sin. But unfortunately, sometimes they can miss out on our need to be personally responsible for making sure sin in our own body has not come to take us down. We're not watchful or aware, and we fall into temptation. So whether we're asleep to our body's need to be connected to God or our soul's yearning for God, we sleep because we're not remaining intentionally awake and aware as Jesus asked us to. So how can we avoid being either too body conscious or too soul focused? What do our body and soul really need in order to experience the abundant life Jesus promised? More importantly, how can we wake ourselves up? So I ran competitive track from the time I was eight until I was 20. Um, I was a runner, that's what I did. I ran for fun, I ran to win medals, I ran at recess to show all the boys that I could beat them, and I could. I was fast, I liked running. And I could have played volleyball or run track in college, but I chose track because I was a runner. Now please hear the emphasis on the word was, because I don't run anymore. Something's chasing me, right, if I'm running. (laughs) When my college track career ended at the University of Houston, I was gonna transfer to UCLA and I had a few months in Houston when I was not competing or practicing with the team, but I still practiced running on my own. I was so used to the practice, the discipline, that I just kept running in those last hot, humid months in Houston, Lord help us, I ran three to four miles every day on the bayou in the Third Ward. Just belted it out, you know? I didn't even think about it. It was just what I did. It was part of my life. Well, when I got to cool, breezy Southern California, I realized that that torturous running in Houston had awoken something in me. And I would set out on three-mile runs, and I would feel so good. I would just keep going. Right, like I was for a Gump, I just didn't stop. I would run six, seven, eight miles, like it was nothing. And I, lo- I loved running during that time in my life more than I had ever run- loved it in the previous 12 years. It was like this new vitality coursing through my body. I enjoyed it, my body felt so strong, my spirit was very willing, I was just like, yes! Right, it was amazing. By disciplining my body on the outside in a less ideal environment, I created more life on the inside in a more comfortable environment. The physical reality of that lesson reveals what can keep us awake in body and soul in our need to connect with God, and that is spiritual practices. We need to practice, okay? Spiritual practices are, in, just simply put, Intentional ways, we connect the temporal circumstances of our lives with the eternal truth of who God is. That's all you're doing in a spiritual practice. So for example, prayer is us connecting our needs, our joys, our gratitude, all of that with God as our eternal source, okay? Gathering as a community is really just us connecting our uh, temporal, secondary relationships with one another with our eternal spiritual relationship with God. That's all we're doing in those practices is some way connecting our lives with God. Okay, but to be honest, even though every spiritual practice you ever do really uses your body and soul, right? They're both present for it. Not all of them are equally powerful in waking you up, okay? What kind of spiritual practices can wake us up? Because to be realistic, I guarantee you there are people in this room, don't raise your hand. You don't have to admit this. But you've been so comfortable during prayer or a church gathering that you have actually fallen asleep there. Right? Like you can get real cozy on your sofa while you're praying and wake up and you're like, I experienced the Lord's restfulness today. (laughs) We would prefer you didn't experience it on Sunday mornings, but it's fine if you fall asleep, just wake up. But to really wake ourselves up, we need a spiritual practice that is the equivalent of running three to four miles in Houston in July, okay? We have to remember the lesson of the bayou, discipline in times of difficulty yields more abundant life in times of ease and comfort. What spiritual practice is as uncomfortable as running on the bayou? Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the most uncomfortable spiritual practice of all, fasting from food, right? Ugh. Um, Now, for those of you who aren't able to fast from food because of medical issues or life circumstances, don't worry, I've got you. I have some more suggestions for you in a minute, but we're gonna talk real quick about the value of fasting from food. In case I haven't made this clear, please hear that I do not like fasting. It is not something that brings joy to my heart. In fact, every year when we have that five-day fast in January, if you haven't been here in January, if you just knew, just, just wait, it's great. I always lobby with Morgan for a shorter fast. I mean, I just bring things up like, you know, in the Bible, there's really no one who fasts for five days. Like, there's no biblical support for that number. Couldn't we just pick three days? Wouldn't that be okay, hun? Three seems much more doable. At which point he loves to point out that there is actually a very biblical number of days to fast, and that would be 40. And <laughs> asks me if I would prefer to do that, and I would not. Nor would I recommend it to you, nor would Morgan. Don't fast for 40 days from all food. Um, So we end up, you know, in the crosshairs here. And then he'll say something like, listen, babe, you don't have to fast for five days. It's totally fine. You do what the Lord is speaking to you. You can stop after a day or two or three if that's what you feel like you need, you know. So when I fast for five days every year on, in January, because I'm not going to lay down and take that, <laughs> I do start the fast telling myself that I can quit whenever I need to, right? Like, I'm all grace. I'm like, you can stop whenever you want, Carrie. But then every year, it never fails. By day three, one of two things happens. Either, number one, I feel really good. Like, how do I have this much energy? I haven't eaten in three days. This is incredible. Now I'm not always like, I'm sometimes just lying on the sofa thinking that, but but I don't feel like I'm dying. I can go two more days. I can do it. I can do it, you know. Or, number two, and this one's the kicker, by day three, I can already tell that God is doing something really important and valuable in my life, and why would I quit now? Like, who knows what could happen in the next two days, so I hang in there against my will, and I make it all the way to the five days because I know That discipline in times of difficulty yields more abundant life in times of ease and comfort. Why is fasting so effective? Why does it do so much to bring our body and soul in line with God together? Well, fasting, it really denies our body an expected comfort, but also a needed resource. Okay? It weakens our body to the point to where we can better hear our soul crying out for God, and we can better hear what God is speaking in our lives. It awakens us to what's going on outside and beyond our body in the spiritual realm. So it's super valuable, but rest assured, December 29th, 2023, I will start lobbying for a shorter fast. It won't happen, but it's my end of year tradition, and it blesses Morgan so much, so I'm gonna keep doing it. It's a practice. Okay, if fasting is not something that you're able to do, there are other practices that can awaken your body and your soul, and we're gonna run through a few of them right here. So you can, other than fasting from food, you can fast from other things that your body does, like maybe shopping, I've done that one, that was rough, Um, (laughs) social media, you know, anything that kind of you know, oh, that's my go-to, I can fast from that. Breath work, this could include breath prayers or deep, mindful breathing, being very aware of your breathing coming into your body. Contemplative prayer and Christian meditation is just the practice of sitting in silence and centering your body and soul on God without thinking about your day ahead, your to-do list, all the things. Or you can ground yourself in nature. Go outside, use all five senses of your body to be very aware of what is happening in nature around you, and I promise God will meet you there. But whatever practice we employ, once we're fully awake to God in both our body and our soul, an amazing thing happens, actually. Spiritually speaking, these practices pick us up out of Houston, Texas. No offense, everybody from Houston. It's a great city. Terrible weather. Picks us up out of Houston and moves us spiritually to Laguna Beach. Let's go. That's right. Where we can experience the abundant life Jesus promised to give us in John 10.10 because Once we're connected to God in both body and soul, we realize actually why it matters that we stay awake. Okay, why we awaken, let's talk about that. When we rightly connect our body and soul with God, we awaken to the truth that God lives in us. We embody God in the world. To talk about embodiment, we need to start with talking about how deeply God cares about bodies and souls. You know, every commandment in the Bible involves your body and your soul being obedient to God. God cares about what you do with your words, your actions, your thoughts. He cares deeply about how we use our hands to bless people and to care for people. He cares about how we harm people with our bodies and our souls, that our intentions towards them and our actions to them really matter to God. God cares how we treat the other drivers on the road. Just let them in, okay? He cares how we treat the people flying signs at the intersections. He cares how you treat the kids in your neighborhood. He cares how we treat our coworkers and our family members and anybody else who's in our life. He cares about how we treat them. It's very important to God. Jesus even went so far as to say, however you treat all those people is how you've treated me. Apparently, whether humans are aware of God or not, whether or not we're aware of our bodies and our souls or not, God is very aware of us and how we use our body and soul to either bless or curse the world and the people around us. God is really into you, really, really, really into you. The actions of your body and the intentions of your soul are powerful forces in this world. You have the power to touch the world. If Jesus has saved you from sin and death, if the Holy Spirit lives inside you and the Father has opened his arms and welcomed you into himself, the only thing that ever keeps us from letting abundant life flow through us to other people is us, right? Like that's not on God. To embody God in a way that properly honors Him, we have to overcome all the ways we take our bodies and souls for granted, and we kind of can't help it. We're just bent this way, so it takes practice to unbend ourselves. We really do abuse these bodies that God chose to live in, chose to love and die for. We abuse them when we curse how they look, when we regret how they've performed, when we use them to harm people with our words, our thoughts, and our actions. When we ignore what our body needs, we're taking the gift of a body for granted. And we abuse the souls that God regards as precious. When we drown out the yearning our soul is making, the cry of our soul for God, we drown it out, right? One more episode. One more hour of emails. One more glass of wine. You don't wanna think about that deep thing, that that nagging feeling in the back of your head telling you, you need God. No, I don't wanna think about that right now. We can totally do better though. I know we can. How do we do that? How do we do better with our bodies and souls? We have to remember, consciously be aware of what the gospel actually says about bodies and souls. John 1.1, amazingly, actually tells us that Jesus, who has existed for all eternity as the most powerful creative force ever, when he decided to come to save humanity from sin and darkness, he needed a body. He had to put on flesh, as John 1 says. Like, God needed a body to save us. God, who is needless and powerful, put a body on to come get you and bring you home. That's incredible truth about a body. Eternal life is the gift God has given us, our souls, and Jesus's bodily death brought it about. It's still body and soul work, okay? John 3.16, let's look at some Bible verses, says that whoever believes in Jesus will have eternal life. Second Corinthians 4.16 says that even though our bodies are wasting away, Amen, middle life. Um, our inner souls and ourselves are being renewed day by day. Romans 6.23 says that eternal life is the free gift of God given us in Jesus. Second Corinthians 5.17 says that you and I are completely new creations, never existed before. Until we met Jesus, we are new creations in Christ. That's amazing. But the gospel has a lot to say about bodies as well. When Jesus took on a body with all its vulnerabilities, was born through a woman's body, through pain and pushing, when he allowed his body to be crucified, and when he was resurrected into his eternal body, Jesus made a shocking, amazing, incredible statement about what a body is capable of. What does the gospel really say about a body? The gospel says that to have a body is to be capable of rescue. You have a body that's capable of rescue. You're capable of caring for the needy and vulnerable. You're capable of holding the hurting and weeping with those who mourn. But you know, you also need a body to dance at weddings, to enjoy a sunset, right? To cheer for your friends, to make a phone call and encourage somebody today. You gotta have a body to do all those things. If you have adopted a negative view of your body, Either because cultural messages have told you you don't live up to some really false beauty standard. Or if you've regretted that you're not as strong as you're supposed to be, or or you can't work 85 hours a week like your boss wants you to, right? If you've experienced traumatic treatment of your body because of racism or sexism or ableism or ageism, or if maybe some Somewhere, one time made you think that to have a body with needs is an evil thing, that your body is a spiritual liability. That is not what the gospel says about your body. And the gospel has the power to undo and heal all of that. Because if you are in Christ, your body houses the most powerful, beautiful, Needed and hopeful God in the universe. Scriptures to back that up. John 14:23, Jesus said, "He and the Father abide or remain in us." Romans 8:10 says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Ephesians 2:22 says that God dwells in people. Second Timothy 1:14 says, the Holy Spirit lives in us. 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20 says that we should glorify God in our bodies because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Your body, if you hear nothing else about bodies today, I want you to hear this. Your body, just as it is today, at whatever capacity of energy, ability, strength, whatever point it's at today, your body is a precious part of God's plan to love and save people from sin and suffering so much so in fact that jesus put on a body to redeem your soul so that god could live in your body and continue to rescue people your body is capable of rescue let's never forget lord may we never forget that Jesus' body once ran a race through something much worse than Houston in July. Jesus knew that his discipline in a time of great difficulty would yield abundant life for you and for me in times of ease and comfort. When we make ourselves uncomfortable by fasting, regulating our breathing, sitting in silence, or taking a long walk in nature looking for God. The power of the gospel is released in our bodies in a mysterious way, and we become stronger and braver and more fit for the race set before us. And we're gonna make it all the way to the end, you guys. My hope for all of us is that we would remain watchful and awake in our bodies and souls. I pray that this church, that Mosaic would be a people, that God would look out one day and say, because your souls were willing and because you strengthened your bodies in me, you glorified me in that city, you rescued people. That's the hope of the gospel about your body and your soul. Let me pray for you. Father, I come before you, Lord. We lift our bodies and souls up to you. God, in whatever ways we may be asleep to our great need for you, I pray, Lord, that you would awaken it today. Lord, I pray for anybody here who really needs God to touch their body, either physically or your view of your body. You need healing, emotional healing about how you regard your body or you need physical healing in your body, if you need God to touch your body, I just pray you would lift your hands I want to pray for you. Lord, I thank you for these bodies submitted to you, Lord. I pray that you would touch them, Jesus, that you would heal what's broken, that you would heal what's not right, Lord, that you would restore vitality and strength and endurance to these bodies, Lord. Strengthen them in you so that these precious people can stay awake to what you're doing in their lives. And anyone here who says your soul is just yearning for the Lord, you're just crying out for God to reach you in the deep parts of your heart and soul. Just lift your hands and to pray for you. God, I thank you for these people. Lord, I thank you that you, you came for them. Jesus, you put on a body so that you could live within that body of theirs. God, I pray that you would give them a greater abundance of your life right now, Jesus. I pray you would fill them with hope. Lord, I pray for wisdom to grow. Lord, that the hope of glory in them would begin to shine its light and push back any dark thoughts or darkness that's come to try to overtake them. God, I thank you that greater are you in these people than anything that the world is throwing at them. Lord, I pray that you would release them into greater vitality and hope and strength today. And God, for all of us, we just ask you for more abundant life. Lord, let this series be the beginning of practices that can strengthen us for the road ahead. Lord, we do ask for the discipline, for the right disciplines for each one of us. I pray you would give us strategic ways of connecting our bodies and souls with you. Lord, so that we can strengthen and grow in you God, and show the world your great love for them. Father, help us love well, remind us in the moments of temptation to strengthen ourselves in you. Help us turn away, Lord. Help us not to fall asleep. God, let us be awake and aware to what you're doing in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.